We'll hear argument first this morning in case 21-418, Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. Hey, everyone. This is Leon from Fiasco and Prologue Projects. On this week's episode of 5 to 4, the hosts are talking about Kennedy v. Bremerton School District. The ruling, which came down this summer, grants a school football coach the right to prey on the field after games. It also overturns a long-held legal test that the courts have used to determine whether or not a religious activity is acceptable. The ruling follows the Roberts Court's pattern of holding up religious rights, and it goes against years of precedent where the court has held that students could not be pressured to participate in religious activities. Today's case is one in a series from this term in which modern precedent has been overturned and replaced with the vague notion that history and tradition should guide decisions going forward. This is 5 to 4, a podcast about how much the Supreme Court sucks. Welcome to 5 to 4, where we dissect and analyze the Supreme Court cases that have devoured our civil rights, like my cat devouring the salmon I made when I'm not looking. Mm. Um, Peter. Did she do that? uh, Yeah. You know, she's... um, didn't she do it with a chicken? She once took the carcass of an entire Cornish game hen, uh, as I believe what you're calling, <laughs> and dragged yeah. it under the bed and consumed it, bone and all. Um, it was gone. She's bougie. She's not quite a bar cat, but, um, <laughs> but no. close. Um, but look, tomorrow is her seventh birthday. Oh. I love her very much, and she haunts my waking life. So happy birthday, Cosmo. <laughs> I'm here with Michael. Hey, everybody. And Rhiannon. Hi. Hello. And we're doing a case, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It turns we out we are doing and, a case. And today's case <laughs> is Kennedy v. Bremerton School District. This is a case from this past term and, in fact, just a few weeks ago about school prayer. Uh, specifically, it is about a high school football coach who engaged in public prayer after football games was asked to stop by his school, refused, and was put on paid leave. He then sued, claiming that his First Amendment right to exercise his religion and his First Amendment speech rights were being violated. And the Supreme Court, in a 6-3 to three opinion written by Justice Neil Gorsuch, they agreed with him. Mm-hmm. So this case is about the increasingly fragile balance between the rights to practice your religion and the separation of church and state. And it is also a case about the willingness of the conservatives on the Supreme Court to straight up lie right to your fucking face. Yep. (laughs) Because the majority opinion mischaracterizes several facts here in a way that can only be construed as intentionally dishonest. Absolutely. So, re- Take it away. Yeah, I want to say that a lot of this background story comes from Sotomayor's dissent. um, And I think it's because she picks up on the extremely selective telling of this story by the majority. And to say it's selective is generous, right? Um, They straight up lie. And so Sotomayor almost does like a painstaking review of the facts. And so Mm. that's where a lot of this background comes from. So... Shout out to her, I guess. (laughs) So this case comes out of Kitsap, 
County, Washington. Kitsap County is the home to Bremerton School District, which serves just over 5,000 students. It employs more than 700 teachers and personnel. And, you know, the employees and the students in this school district represent several different religions and non-religious people alike. So Coach Joseph Kennedy, he was hired in 2008 by the Bremerton School District as the junior varsity football coach and the assistant varsity football coach. In 2015, it came to the school district's attention that Coach Kennedy was leading a prayer on the 50-yard line after football games, and the school district kind of opened up an inquiry. What they found was that Coach Kennedy had, in fact, been leading that prayer since 2008. Mm -hmm. And while, according to Kennedy, the prayer had started out solo, he said that initially he, you know, just took a knee at the 50-yard line and was praying by himself. But over time, the school district found, you know, things evolved into basically the majority of the team joining him in knelt prayer after the game on the 50-yard line immediately after shaking hands with the opposing team. This was happening at every game. So the prayers also, uh, over time, turned into these kind of long post-game speeches with overtly religious references. He would hold up students' helmets while students kneeled around him. And this was, again, happening after every single game. And it wasn't just the extremely public display on the 50-yard line. Coach Kennedy also was leading prayers in the locker room in which students participated in those prayers. So... You know, the district tells Kennedy to quit it, (laughs) quit doing this, because his behavior likely violated the Establishment Clause of the Constitution and opened up the school district to legal liability, right? The school district does not want to get sued because of what Coach Kennedy is doing. So Kennedy turns around, comes back and says he's doing this on his own time. It's a private prayer. And he's doing it after his duties as a school district employee have ceased. Basically saying, look, I'm off the clock, okay? I can pray however I want off the clock. But the district comes back and points out that his prayers occurred, quote, immediately following completion of the football game when students are still on the football field in uniform under the stadium lights with the audience still in attendance and while Kennedy is still in his district-issued and district-logoed attire. Mm. Bruh. Sounds like you're on the clock. You're not off the clock. Very much. Very much on the clock. (laughs) A lot of evidence. You are working. And so Kennedy, for his part, goes on a media spree uh, (laughs) talking to local TV and print reporters about his right to pray in front of a bunch of kids. And um, despite the directives from the school district, Kennedy prayed on the 50-yard line after the next two football games after the school district told him to stop. So because of the media spree, he garnered a bunch of supporters who showed up at the games at those last two games to join him in the prayer, even though they're not even affiliated with the school or the school district. So as soon as he walked out to the 50 yard line at the end of the game, reporters and TV cameras surrounded him. Members of the public rushed the field to join. Some state representatives were there. Um, Imagine going to a high school football game. Just so you can wait till the end when the coach prays and and charge the field. What a bunch of fucking losers. Kids in the school band got knocked over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, that's obviously funny. I'm not going to. It's so funny. It's not funny, but it's just so funny that these 
fucking insane people were there to rush the field of a high school football game so that they could pray with the coach. Trampling people so that you can pray. Yeah, and meantime, they're <laughs> crushing children. It's too good. These are people who, uh, in their free time, go like protest at abortion clinics or at, like gay funerals. That's that's, that's right. Uh, that's exactly the type. Yeah, so good. Anyways, so after these incidents... Coach Kennedy is put on paid administrative leave. Now, while these issues are coming up, parents reached out to the district saying that their children had only participated in Kennedy's prayers because they felt they were going to be separating themselves from the rest of the team if they didn't join. In fact, all of this sort of public melee around this issue caused a lot of ostracization around the school. And in fact, the head coach of the football team resigned after 11 years at that position because of death threats that the school was receiving and the coaching staff. And three of five of the other assistant coaches did not reapply the next year. Hey, honey, I'm just going to blast off this death threat and then let's go uh, knock over some school drummer uh, from the marching band so that we can get onto the field and pray. So we can pray. (laughs) So, um... So Kennedy sued. Uh, he said his his rights are being violated, his rights to exercise his own religion uh, and his free speech rights. And the Supreme Court, the modern day Supreme Court, is just all too ready to to take this case up. Yeah. Can we just quickly say, like, these poor school administrators, they're just like, you know, yes. I think this violates the law, buddy. And then he tells everyone and then people are like, we're going to fucking kill you. And then he sues you. Right. Exactly. And they do like everything they can to accommodate him. They're yeah. like, yeah, yes. you want to give a speech at midfield, just keep it secular and then mm-hmm. pray after all the students have gone home or whatever. Right. You know, they're like going out of their way to, and he's just like, fuck that. Yeah. I'm a fucking minister. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing in the news, baby. So let's talk uh, law. Uh, There are two constitutional provisions at work here. First, you have the free exercise clause, which says that individuals have the right to freely practice their religion. And then you have the establishment clause, which says that the government cannot respect an establishment of religion, colloquially known as the separation of church and state. Uh, You also have free speech issues mixed up in here. So let's talk about those the two religion clauses. There's like an inherent tension where the coach has a right to practice his religion, but the school cannot be perceived as endorsing religion. Right. And the way that courts have resolved this is by saying that private prayers at school are generally going to be acceptable, whereas public prayers that may seem to reflect the endorsement of religion or potentially have a coercive effect on students are generally not going to be allowed. But those boundaries are often hazy. And as a result, the court has been called upon to draw some lines here. However, what the majority opinion does to address all of this, rather than trying to clarify the law, is just flagrantly lie about what actually happened here. What the majority does is claim that the coach here engaged in a private prayer. The opinion starts, quote, Joseph Kennedy lost his job as a high school football coach because he knelt at midfield after games to offer a quiet prayer of thanks. It goes on to say that, quote, he offered his prayers quietly while his students were otherwise occupied. (laughs) Again, what actually happened is the coach 
after football games would lead a prayer at the 50-yard line, right? right? It was not done while his students were otherwise occupied. Kennedy himself openly states that everyone present was free to join, and students often did. He would pray out loud. He would sometimes hold up students' helmets, like one in each hand, right, right. as he yeah. did. At one game, uh, as re mentioned, his media blitz resulted in there being television cameras and politicians present. Gorsuch says, Though Mr. Kennedy was alone when he began to pray, players from the other team and members of the community joined him before he finished his prayer. This event spurred media coverage of Mr. Kennedy's dilemma. To be clear, this event did not spur media coverage. <laughs> media was present at the game because the coach had, like, gone on television <laughs> to yes. talk about it. Yes. Yes. Sotomayor's yes. dissent, which we'll get to in more detail shortly, includes pictures of the prayers because I guess she was so exasperated yeah. yes. with the way that Gorsuch was lying about this that she was like, how about we just put, put some fucking pictures in the record here? <laughs> In one of the pictures, the coach is holding up two helmets, one in each hand, surrounded by a crowd of about three dozen players. You know, there's just no way, other way to put this. If you think this is a private, quiet prayer of thanks, you are a complete fucking moron. Yeah, period. Um, mm -hmm. If this is a private prayer, what would a public prayer even look like? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Is that just Joel Osteen's, like, megachurch Right. Shit? I mean, if, if everyone is welcome to join, and people do... Is that not public? Like, is that not the very definition of public? Am I missing something about the definition of public here? <laughs> Final cherry on top. Gorsuch also consistently states that the coach was fired when he was, in fact, placed on paid administrative leave. Yeah. Perhaps a minor point, but just, you know, worth noting that Gorsuch is just he's just rolling here. He's just yeah. like, yeah. he's just like, sure. I, you know, I let's just say he was fired. Fuck it. At this point, <laughs> right. why not? Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> Now, built into this analysis is also the question of whether the coach's conduct is coercive, right? When asking whether the Establishment Clause is being violated by a school, there is ostensibly supposed to be an analysis of whether the conduct might coerce students into religious exercise. And in fact, as Reem mentioned, it's part of the record that parents complained to the district that their children felt compelled to join the prayers. Yeah, of course. Makes sense. He's an authority figure, right? He like mm -hmm. controls their playing time totally. and stuff yeah. like that. Gorsuch blows this off um, first by saying this is hearsay <laughs> and then by using a <laughs> tactic that he uses throughout the opinion, which is focusing entirely on a couple of incidents where Bremerton students did not join the coach in prayer. And basically being like, well, see, there's no evidence that students were being coerced. Right. Which, first of all, ignores the fact that a coach doing this publicly has inherently coercive qualities because mm -hmm. he's in a position of authority. And second, ignores the many times that students did join him, which we have pictures of. Yes. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, Gorsuch does not address the pictures. Gorsuch is not like, let me explain those pictures that make it clear that I'm lying. He just ignores them. Right? Yeah. This fucking opinion, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just unbelievably dishonest shit. And not only does he brush off the potential for coercion here, he actually chastises anyone who would complain about this, saying that what this case is really about is the coach's free speech and free exercise rights, and that tolerating this sort of thing is part of living in a pluralistic society. Oh, my yeah. God. You're an intolerant freak if you're not okay with <laughs> right. this guy. Right. So not only is the coach right, but also 
how dare you? How dare you even suggest that he's wrong, you bigot? Now, again, (laughs) the irony about like his pluralistic society point is that the school is just like doing its best to comply with the law Mm -hmm. while the coach's supporters are sending death threats to school administrators. (laughs) So like who's really trying to live in a pluralistic society here, right? right? Yeah. That's exactly right. And, you know, we should highlight that the court here is actually overruling an older case. It's a case called Lemon v. Kurtzman. And that case is from the early 70s. But what happened in that case is that the Supreme Court laid out this test for whether um, the government's actions vis-a-vis religion or religious display was a violation of the Establishment Clause. And the Lemon test says a couple of things. But basically, it says that the government's actions with respect to religion, they have to have a secular legislative purpose. The primary effect of this, you know, religious action or religious activity has to be neutral with respect to religion. So it can't advance religion. It also can't inhibit religion. And finally, that the government can't foster an excessive entanglement with religion. So clearly here, Coach Kennedy is a public school official who is leading a very public prayer during the course of his official duties as a public school employee. You know, that seems to violate the lemon test. Mm. But Gorsuch just kind of does away with the lemon test entirely. He says it's not a good test. We don't like it. Fuck it. And instead says that, like, the establishment clause has to be interpreted by reference to historical practices and understandings. Right. I want to quickly add that he doesn't say, oh, we're overturning the lemon test. What he actually says is the lemon test has actually been abandoned by the court. Yeah. Abandoned. Basically being like, this never really existed at all when you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so it's so ridiculous. Uh, I mean, they overrule it without overruling it. And and I appreciate we'll talk about this. The dissent basically just says that they're overruling it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't want to like opine broadly about the state of, uh, you know, religious displays in schools in this country or whatever. But like one reason why the court might have abandoned, quote unquote, the lemon test is that uh, we had reached a certain understanding about what is and isn't appropriate displays of religiosity by public employees Yeah, that had led to uh, maybe a dearth of controversies for the court to consider. I don't know. Right. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. But regardless, the lemon test was good law. It's been good law for a while. I learned it in law school, which was yeah. It's not too long ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But the important thing about the lemon test is they talk about it like not having clear answers for every scenario or whatever. But the important t- part of it is that it actually is pretty straightforward. It's like not that hard to apply. Right. It just, they don't like the answers it's going to give right. in most situations exactly. because it's not going to leave a lot of room. They're pretending that it's unclear, yeah. right? Like this coach is holding helmets above his head and praying to Jesus. And they're like, is this, does this pass the lemon <laughs> test? I don't know. This just goes to show the lemon test really is not very useful. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like Re mentioned, they replaced that test with an analysis of history and tradition. Mm. Sort of unclear what that's supposed to mean when public schools like haven't been around for that right. long, right? Like they weren't 
At the time of the founding, public schools would not be around for like 130 years. <laughs> so I, I don't know what we're supposed to take from this. But I do want to note that this is the third legal test in the span of a week that the court replaced with, well, just look to like the history mm. yes. and tradition, yep. right? In Dobbs overturning Roe v. Wade, they say, well, our analysis of fundamental rights will be about whether uh, those rights have a long tradition uh, in this country. In Bruin, the uh, gun rights case, they said the same thing, that analysis of gun regulations and gun laws will be done by reference to history. And now they're doing it here. Mm -hmm. Every every existing legal test is just being replaced with, well, like, look to the history which is great if you really enjoy uh, cherry picking your history to suit your political ends, which they do. It's one of their favorite things. Yeah, it's also great if you're a regressive hack, right? I, I do love the idea of like um, also, you know, they talk about these things like the lemon test or whatever as like guidance for courts. And it is. But like if you are an athletic director or whatever at a public school, like – does my inferior's behavior look like we're endorsing religion? That's pretty easy, like to right. eyeball, right? As a total right. novice, like right. would the audience think that the that the school here is endorsing religion? Right. Is something any fucking schmuck can like reason out? What's the history and tradition around religious display by football coaches? Right, like. What the fuck are they supposed to do with that? Right. Like, what do you... Right, like the, the assistant coach sprints into the room and he's like, sir, sir, I've, I've read the Federalist Papers and I have terrible news. Like, what are they supposed to do with this, right? Like, yeah. it's it's absurd. Right. As far as, like, <laughs> guidance to, the you know, people on the ground, this is yeah. useless. It's beyond useless. It's counterproductive. It's just going to invite a ton more litigation and also a ton more of these fucking freaks to try to be as overtly religious wherever they can, like in every facet of life. Yeah. And how far are we from the court explicitly saying this country was founded Mm. on Christian principles? It's almost there. Yeah. It's at the tip of their tongue. It feels like we're getting there, right? For sure. This feels like a, a good time to take a break. All right, we are back. So we should uh, move on to the dissent which was really good, I thought, by Sotomayor. Uh, as we mentioned, it, it includes uh, visual illustrations, which were yeah. very effective. Yeah. As someone who has to read these, I, I do appreciate a picture. Yeah, I liked it. It's nice. It's pretty thorough. Uh, like, as Reed mentioned, uh, she goes through all the facts in, like, excruciating detail, picks apart, like all the legal analysis that the majority does. Uh, I would say the the point that I thought was strongest and the point that I think is worth making and emphasizing is another bit of, I don't know if lying is the right word here, but, but shaping, creative shaping of the facts by the majority, mm. which is that they basically make this about three instances of prayer, which happened after... The district told the coach, you know, hey, buddy, cut it, cut out. it out. Yeah, yeah. Enough, enough of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we just got word from another coach who like was like, hey, I heard your 
letting that coach pray. That's pretty cool. And they were like, yeah. mm, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. After that, there were three instances of prayer and it was those for which he was disciplined. And so the court very much makes it about like an analysis of those three instances of prayer. Right. Yeah. And it does a very bad job of it. But the, maybe the worst part of it is pretending like those weren't a continuation of several years of prayer at the 50 yard line, right? Yeah, like exactly. after every single right. game, like pretending like this is just three instances of prayer and not the continuation of a practice, right? The continuation of a habit, of a routine, of something that's built into being on the football team. Right. Right. Not to mention a purposeful continuation such that you could assume if they hadn't put him on leave, he would have kept doing exactly. it. Right. Right. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. That's what's going on here is being part of the football team means praying at the 50-yard line after the games or risking being one of the weirdos who doesn't, right? One of the exactly. non-conformers mm -hmm. and whatever might come with that, which might mean reduced playing time or not even getting to play the position you want to play or or whatever, right? Like yeah. college recommendation letters, right? right? Like there's all kinds right. of stuff. Yeah, maybe you're not getting the rec you want from your coach. Maybe you're not getting team captain or something that would look good on your on your admissions uh, application, right? All those things are at risk if you're if you're not willing to pray at the 50-yard line with the coach and you know that going in. That's coercive. That's inherently coercive. There's no way about it, right? There's no getting around that. And uh, yeah, the majority just wants to pretend like that's not true. They just want to pretend like, no, this is just some dude by himself. Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's such bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This opinion pissed me off for, for a variety of reasons, but the dishonesty is like bracing. Yeah. There's something about Gorsuch's, he's always smug, like unbelievably smug mm -hmm. and condescending, but to have that tone while also blatantly lying, it it's pretty infuriating stuff. Yes. 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 Yeah, there's something, you know, even in the couple of pulled quotes from the opinion, Peter, where you were talking about Gorsuch lying, you know, it's so clear that he's making it um, seem, like Michael said, as isolated incidents, like just a couple of times that this has happened. So, right. for example, like you said, Gorsuch says, though Mr. Kennedy was alone when he began to pray, players from the other team and members of the community joined him before he finished his prayer. Like, the, <laughs> like that's so clearly written to describe one singular event, right? right? But also what he's referring to, I believe, is the time when he had done already done the media blitz and people stormed that's the right. field right. to yes, join him. That's exactly right. He's framing it like people noticed him praying and they were like, that guy's praying and I think that's, right. that's pretty cool because I love God too. Right. I'm going to go pray with him. What actually happened is people were like, yeah. he's fucking right. doing we're it. Going and with they them. all sprinted <laughs> yeah. full speed at, 50, at the 50 yard yeah, line exactly. and knocked over various yeah. children in the process. Yeah. The guy who had been praying after every game for seven years was like, I'm doing it again. And exactly. everyone was like, yeah, we're going to do that with you because they're also a bunch of religious freaks. And uh, yeah, right. that's not an isolated incident, like divorced from the history there, right? Like, yeah. So here's the thing that like gets me about this. Beyond this case, there are challenges going through the lower courts right now coming from uh, Jewish communities, actually about abortion, saying, hey, it's part of the Jewish faith that when a pregnant person's health is 
in trouble because of pregnancy, they need to have an abortion. Like this is consistent with our faith. Our practice of our faith requires an abortion in these instances. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's some question of how the Supreme Court will handle that, right? How will their sort of Christian anti-abortion zealotry meet up with their free exercise zealotry where they just want to give religious people and especially religious Christians like carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want. And I think this gives a distressing insight into how that might go, which is that they will just lie about Hmm. the facts to shape an answer that, that they like, which means that it might not be the case that it's your deeply held religious belief as a Jewish person uh, that abortion is is required in certain instances right. that right. just might not make it into right. the facts of the Supreme Court, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, in some ways, the fact that they lie and say this was private is good because it means that technically the law is still that like public pronouncements of religion by teachers and coaches are generally going to be yeah, unconstitutional. But I'm not sure, like, how far that gets you if a court can just lean on this case to declare that, like, obviously public prayers are private. Right. Right. And moreover, I mean, there's just sort of this Orwellian undertone, right, where the court is saying, like, if you're on our team, just bring us the case and we will tell the lie that you need us to tell. Right. Yeah, that really makes me think about the difference here, the sort of in-group, out-group that's created by these kinds of government activities and what the court is embracing, right? Like the, the Supreme Court with this case is really embracing rules that overlook minority religions and non-religious people. And as a result, it's the court endorsing the creation of like this in-group and an out-group at public schools, right? I think that's what I find most egregious is that like this is happening to kids, yeah. You know, like we covered in another case, a, a similar kind of circumstance in Town of Greece v. Galloway. We covered that case, which was about a prayer happening before city council meetings, I believe. And this just seems a step further because it's happening to children, people who are more vulnerable to coercion. Right. And through these religious displays, we're saying like we're good with the government doing this activity, encouraging or supporting a majoritarian religion and thereby community communicating to a child with any other religious affiliation that they are in the minority, they're different, their religious displays are not as legitimate, not as cool, not as worthy, right? And that has real effects on how kids grow up, whether you're in the in-group or the out-group, right? As somebody who grew up Muslim in Texas, also playing sports at school where prayers were held at the beginning of every game like this is this is like a real legitimate thing that happens and there are real emotions affiliations that are encouraged by this kind of behavior yeah yeah you know prepping for this case has put me in uh, a bad mood for like days and mm. <laughs> and i spent a lot of time like sort of unpacking why and it it really i think goes back to that quote peter mentioned at the top learning how to tolerate Speech or prayer of all kinds is part of learning how to live in a pluralistic society. And what got me about that is this case, coupled with uh, some other high-profile cases at the end of this term, pretty much are the stake in the heart of pluralistic society Mm. in America, right? Like staples of a pluralistic society are shared public spaces that we can sort of enjoy freely and and comfortably and safely. 
and the Supreme Court is flooding those with assault rifles so that you can't go to a public school or a parade or a library or any of these public spaces that are like the lifeblood of a pluralistic society and feel right. safe, right? right? You can't. Or your place of worship for that yeah, matter. Unless your yeah. place of worship happens to be like, you know, what, like a evangelical white Christian church, then you're probably right. safe. Right. The idea of a pluralistic society in America Maybe, you know, I don't want to get accused of sugarcoating American history and saying that we had one and it's gone. Um, I don't know if we ever mm -hmm. did, but it feels like at some point as a society, we at least aspired to it, right? We at least reached for it. And now I feel like it's, there's a purposeful movement to eliminate that idea entirely. Yeah. And there's something repulsive about that language being like thrown in your face as the court is like establishing Christian hegemony in public spaces, right. Right. right? Like you're not actually safe to go out to all these places of, you know, secular gathering, but you know, what is safe in those spaces is Christians professing their Christianity, right? Right. right. That's what's safe. You know, a Muslim coach tries that shit. Those death threats aren't going to the fucking school board for trying to rein him in. He's the one getting the death threats, right? Right, right. That's, That's right. the country we live in now. And it's not a pluralistic one. And it's not a tolerant one. And it's depressing and it's fucking infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, the whole point of protections for minority religions and people who aren't religious, et cetera, is that if you allow people like the coach to publicly and loudly announce their religion, the net effect is that the dominant religions have this megaphone, mm -hmm. right? Yes. The result is not a pluralistic society. The result is the majority religions dominating public spaces, dominating public discourse, and ultimately holding the reins of power, mm -hmm. right? And explicitly doing so to further religious ends, which is what we're seeing yeah. in this country. And if I could get like a little more technical, you know, the majority is prioritizing the free exercise and speech rights of government employees here rather than trying to find a coherent balance between those rights and the coercive effect of having government employees in positions of power openly endorsing certain religious values. There's a real fundamental problem with that. And I want to make what's like maybe a pretty obvious point in some ways, but is often overlooked in these cases. The government, whether it be the federal government or state or, or municipal governments, just a patchwork of institutions, each of them comprised of individuals. If you allow for every individual within those institutions to engage in public endorsements of religion, you are effectively allowing for the institutions themselves to do so. Mm -hmm. Right. That is especially true in places and circumstances where there are dominant majority religions. How can you prevent the government from endorsing religion if you cannot prevent any given member of the government from endorsing religion? Right. What's the difference between having members of a government institution endorse religion and having the institution itself endorse it? Yeah, exactly. If every member of a school's administration is Christian and openly espousing their belief, What's the functional difference between that and the school itself declaring itself to be a Christian school? Exactly. Yeah. 
And I think it's interesting then to think about how the court treats student speech in contrast, right? Like, because here we are talking about how this is potentially just like opening up employee, right? Like teacher and administrator religious speech in a way that could be transformative. But we've talked in the past about how student speech it can be quite limited on campus, especially under the current court. Right. And the uh, rationale for that is uh, that students can be disruptive, right? They can be disruptive to the learning environment or whatever. Um, I don't know, man. This shit sounds pretty disruptive to, <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fucking, yeah. Uh, you know, local news showing up to the game to cover the prayer, the band getting trampled right. by a bunch of freaks <laughs> who would otherwise like be at a sporting event, you know, heckling <laughs> the people for worshiping false idols or whatever. <laughs> like these are like absolute we're we are unleashing the nuts to just go disrupt shit willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. And the court doesn't seem to care at all. Right. Probably because they uh, to some degree agree with the with that speech. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean it's important to remember Clarence Thomas believes that Tinker should be overturned. And Tinker was a case where students put black armbands on to signal their opposition to mm-hmm. the Vietnam War. Clarence Thomas doesn't even think that right. should be allowed. <laughs> but right. but a, a coach holding two helmets above his head, uh, screaming a prayer to uh, 40 people, totally fine. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about some recent conservative jurisprudence on this stuff because it's the Establishment Clause is functionally being ignored, Right. The current court doesn't really believe in the separation of church and state in any meaningful way. Mm-mm. This was at play in another case this term, Carson v. Macon. We don't have to get into it too much, but I do want to talk about what I think is like the current worst case scenario in this line of jurisprudence, because given recent history, I think worst case scenarios are worth discussing. Yeah. So we discussed this a bit in uh, Town of Greece v. Galloway last year, but There is a formerly fringe academic theory that has gotten a foothold on the court with at least Clarence Thomas and maybe Neil Gorsuch, which says that the Establishment Clause does not apply to states at all, meaning that not only can state governments engage with religious institutions and could, you know, coaches endorse religion, but states could establish their own official religions. (laughs) The reason that they believe this is that Originally, just like the rest of the Bill of Rights, the Establishment Clause was meant to restrain only the federal government. States could and did establish official religions. The Establishment Clause was intended to prevent the federal government from doing the same and from interfering with state-established religions. But as as we've mentioned many times before, the First Amendment is now considered to be incorporated against the states, meaning that it applies to the states just as much as it does to the federal government. Some conservative scholars, though, have latched onto the idea that the Establishment Clause should be an exception. They claim that the real goal of the clause was to prevent the federal government from interfering with states' established religions, and so it doesn't make sense to apply the same rule to states. Now, we don't have time to cover all the reasons why this is stupid. (laughs) Off the top of my head, the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause are literally in a single sentence, right. separated by a comma. That's right. They're clauses. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So to say that one applies to the states and one doesn't, you're getting a little silly. 
But also, like, this analysis just sort of flips the entire concept of incorporation on its head, right? Like, we all know the Bill of Rights used to apply to just the federal government. Right. And that it had nothing to say about state government. But as Gary LaManna said to Polly Walnuts in season five, <laughs> episode three of The Sopranos, a lot of things used to be, you know? Uh, <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for a moment to say that for years. Yeah, I can tell. Finally showed up. Happy for you. <laughs> He's a minor character. Uh, <laughs> relying on the purpose of the clause at the time of the founding just doesn't make much sense here, right? The point of incorporation is to take the restrictions that once applied only to the federal government and apply them to the states as well as exactly. in order to more fully secure the rights of citizens. Establishment clause prohibited the federal government from establishing a federal religion. If you apply to the states, then they can't create a state religion. It's not like markedly different from the incorporation of any other clauses. Not to mention that like this interpretation creates incongruities because they believe that free exercise, again, still applies to the states. But like, how can someone freely exercise their religious belief in a state where there's an official state religion right. if, if their personal religion does not align with the states? Anyway, don't want to get too into it. Just want to sort of point out that this might get worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, just flagging it. Just planting a tiny little red flag right there. <laughs> little warning shot for my homies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next week, West Virginia v. EPA. A case from not long ago that I don't want to say destroyed the planet. <laughs> but laid the groundwork, you know? Yeah, it's on the way to that. Yeah. 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 Follow us on Twitter at 54pod. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash 54pod, all spelled out. Premium and ad-free episodes, access to our Slack, special events, all sorts of stuff. Take care of yourselves, and uh, we'll see you next week. 5 to 4 is presented by Prologue Projects. Rachel Ward is our producer. Leon Nafok and Andrew Parsons provide editorial support. Our production manager is Persia Verlin, and our assistant producer is Arlene Arevalo. Our artwork is by Teddy Blanks at Chips NY, and our theme song is by Spatial Relations. question is this related to the podcast yes <laughs> um where do babies come from um <laughs> i feel like all of these people who say that the that the country is founded on christian values if it really was wouldn't jesus come up in the constitution <laughs> like they mentioned god but that's a very broad concept that applies in like basically every religion so like where are they getting this Christian shit from? Is there any actual? Rachel, you stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs>